like close to the finish line, it starts hailing on me, dude, pinning me like big hail where I'm like trying to crunch up into a little ball, trying not to get hit. Yeah. My helmets, my skin's cold. I'm like, fuck, I'm out here too. I'm like, this is not good. I hope this doesn't continue. And it just kept continuing and it just started fucking dumping. So now it's dumping. And the last 10 miles of this race is in this double track clay. Oh, yeah. So you couldn't, I, I couldn't ride my bike anymore. was the co-host and he did a great job so thanks for tuning in to another stoke podcast super stoked as always and guys this is just a little backstory on how i found the bike uh so i think there's a lot more to my story i think that brings into the whole uh, perspective of why i started the podcast um because you know, like all of us, we're more than the than what we do on the bike or on the trail. You know, we're uh, multi-dimensional beings. We have jobs. We have been through experiences that got us to where we are today. So um, a little bit more, you know, I um, studied yoga and I have a master or bachelor's degree in psychology. Excuse Pocho coming in and out. And um so I'm intrigued on conversation. I'm intrigued on mindset. I'm intrigued on spirituality. So this is why I kind of started this podcast. Um, and, you know, I was going to go into a master's program to be a mental health counselor. So I just love, you know, people. I love, um, you know, helping people, uh, especially when I was teaching yoga for four years. I mean, it was so fulfilling and I, you know, was lacking a purpose. You know, I, once I stopped teaching yoga and moved to Cottonwood, um, and so this is, this is to fill my cup. This is the podcast. Um, I love, I've loved it so far. So that's a little bit about what this episode goes into that, well, I guess this is what the episode didn't cover. Um, we really went into kind of my competitiveness on the bicycle, really. Um, so anyway, all right, transitioning to um, some exciting stuff, guys. On January 27th is the Papago uh, six-hour race in Scottsdale. Um, Aaron Osborne and Jody are doing something more um, with Papago. They want to make Papa, and so this is um, Papa Go with a purpose. So on Facebook, um, I will put the link in the show notes. But there are three ways you can participate: you can ride or race the six-hour Papa Go. Um, you could sign up on the Facebook page or at six hours in the Number two, come by the VR7 Autism Awareness Tent at Papago on Saturday, January 28th and show your support. Number three, you can also sponsor a rider. So per lap or lump sum. And you can sign up on this link that I will put in the show notes. And little facts about autism. Did you know autism has many looks? Just because the person with autism doesn't make eye contact doesn't mean they aren't listening. Number two, kids on autism spectrum can do anything they set their minds to. Hmm. And number three, autism is a spectrum disorder. There are multiple levels of low or too high functioning Asperger's. No two people with autism are alike. That's interesting. And so um, some athletes are going to be Chase Colseth. Um, he is a 
ripper on a single speed. Um, Brent Colseth, his dad, Jody Bartz, Aaron Osborne, Brian Staub, they are in. So who else will join us and ride? Well, I know I am. So, all right, guys, that'll just be at the show notes in the bottom. Please go sign up. Um, this will be so fun. Um, moving on to Confluence 928. You guys know what's going on. I don't have to keep on bugging you. Just keep keep checking us out. You know, keep supporting us. We'll be on Instagram. We'll be at Papago Six Hour Race. That's for sure. So, um, follow us on Instagram. That's always in the bottom. Uh, Yavapai Hustle was a success in December third this year. Eighty people raced. It was hard, but Verde Valley Rally is around the corner. March 25th. So sign up. You can do sign up on Bike Reg or VerdeValleyRally.com. You can check that out in the show notes. Um, in mugs, Mingus Underground Gravel is coming. It'll be a sick 100-mile little group ride that's going to be fast. So, guys, we'll check that out. Um, it should be fun. It should be all so much fun. And crazy enough, also... Pinions and Pines is fully booked. Um, so, yeah, it'll be sick. I'm on the waiting list. Um, fingers crossed I'll be getting in, but the 300 and the 500 um, were sold out in 17 minutes. So, Dana, Ernst, huge shout-out. Um, you're doing some sick stuff. Um, obviously, people are hearing about it. Anyway, Enough with me rambling on. Let's get going. Let's get into episode 11. This is your host, me, Quinn Travis, um, and co-host Michael Howard, a.k.a. Mike, Uncle Mike. Um, and we are diving into just my past, getting into it, getting gritty, but staying stoked. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Figured out how to get both of them to work, and uh, process everybody. It's a process. It Quinn, Quinn really went into it. I think it took thirty minutes, at forty least. minutes at to least. figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Not good. So we're doing a little switch up today. So usually I'm the one listening to the story. Well, it's your podcast, so you ask questions. Exactly. So we're gonna do the good old switcheroo. Yeah, what am I doing? Yeah, take it <laughs> yeah, Give me this. <laughs> right. I'm Mikey. I'm Mikey Howard, Uncle Mike, Funkle Mike, if you will. Um, so yeah, we're gonna talk about Quinn a little bit because he hasn't been able to share his story yet and kind of how he got into this and then how he got into biking and you know um, being a dad, etc. So we're gonna get we're gonna it's gonna be just a short little podcast we're just doing it to test out but it's gonna be a little backstory of uh the interviewer or the man behind the uh stoke yeah the man behind the stoke <laughs> i like that yeah <laughs> man behind the stoke so i mean it's gonna i feel like it's gonna be kind of hard for me because i pretty much know everything about you but yeah. um i'm gonna try to do it to where we'll make it short and sweet and try to get as much substance as we can in there. So let's start it off with uh, how you got into biking. Well, I was a BMX racer. I think starting at the age of six, six or seven in Gunnison, Colorado. There was always like a Wednesday and Friday evening race. And it was all based on age group. And the BMX track at the Gunnison Parks, like near the skate park. 
Mm-hmm. Back then, it was super groomed. Like, BMX was a huge thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I got super into it. And before that, like, that's me just racing in general. Um, go further back. I mean, I was popping wheelies in my my second ever home when my parents were still together. Yeah. So I was five, four, four or five popping wheelies. Um, I'd always build like sick kickers uh, and biking was just a thing you do as a kid in the neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, that's how you get around. Yeah. You know, go to a buddy's house. You can't drive yet. You're going to have to, what, what are you going to do? You're going to hop on the wheels and yeah. make it over. We'd always make just little kickers. So at the age of like five and six, we go around the neighborhoods and build kickers. And I was always the one, you know, who's like, everyone would build the jump and then I would go jump it. Yeah. You know, so oh, yeah. um, I've always just been really comfortable on the bike. And then I got into like motocross, not racing, but my dad got me a motorcycle, which totally excelled my love for two wheels. Um, I blew up the engine multiple times. So my, my old man was like, yep, <laughs> we're done with that. Uh, I finally got a clutch and I blew out the clutch so many times that it was just too much for my old man. So the motorcycles fell off of uh, our trailer one time going out towards uh, Alamosa. Fucking on a dirt road, both of the motorcycles fall off the trailer. Really? Like 30. No shit. Oh, yeah. That was done. My dad was done. No more motorcycles. <laughs> well, that, dude, that's, like, that's way more expensive than any bike that you can get to. Not anymore. Well, I can't yet. Yeah, <laughs> but back then, yeah. you know, I mean, a motorized vehicle, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, got into two wheels at a pretty young age. Um, and I was pretty good at BMXing. Um, I don't think I, I, I placed second place out of the series. So you won all of them? All of them, yeah. Um, and when I was about nine or 10, I had to get moved up with the 12 and 13 year olds um, halfway through the season. Wow. I, I remember this like day because I was so hurt, you know, because BMX racing, you, it's like first place is 25 points. But through a series, I was adding up my points. And so halfway through the, the, the season, they decided to move me up, but they didn't keep my points. They, I had to start over from zero. That's so all, up. all these kids had, you know, the, the kid who was winning every time, he was from Lake City. He had a bunch of points. And I was like, fuck. Like, how am I ever going to win? Because that's what I wanted to do. It's like, I didn't care about the race. I was winning the races with those kids, but I wanted to make sure I was going to win. You got win. the trophy. Yeah, because it was all about the dude. Back then, oh, they're as tall as you were. Huge trophies. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go out to that series, and I was like my only second place trophy I got for BMXing, and um, but it was a good eye opener, you know, like getting moved up to another age group, and now I had competition. Now it was kind of tight, you know, like people were actually close to my wheel. I didn't just like get the whole shot and gap it, you know, gap everyone because yeah. it was only a a short course. It was one lap. Oh, it's small. Yeah, it's super small. So. But yeah, that was my first competition, you know, like with biking and growing up, my old man was a single speed mountain biker, hardcore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember just like coming home from school and he's not at the house and I'm like, where's my dad? We got, we got to cook dinner and then, you know, when the sun's going down, he strolls in in his, um, his tights, <laughs> you know, like his kit and, uh -huh. um, I always thought he was crazy, like, biking 26 miles, you know, like, mountain biking. Yeah. I always thought he was a lunatic. As a kid, you'd think that's so far. So far. I mean, it is pretty far, but... Yeah. Definitely I mean, as a kid, you don't have that perspective yet. Yeah. You just went around a pump track, basically. Yeah. And you feel pretty exhausted from that. And, and then I, you see your dad come back, sweaty, just, like, hours on a ride. And you're like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. Like, so, that was always an interesting... You know, I never said I wasn't going to do it, but it was just my dad. I was like, I'm not doing that. You yeah. know, I, I love dirt jumping. So then fast forward into my early adolescence or late adolescence, early teens. Um, when you don't have a driver's license yet, you have all summer, no job. Well, a job, but not a nine to five. Yeah. So I bought a DJ 300. Well, I, I didn't buy it. I asked for like a present, like a Christmas present or something. Um, yeah, 
a front suspension, geared bike, and it was a dirt jumper. Oh, dude. And then that took me to a whole nother world because um, I was on my bike a lot from the age of, well, six until about 15, until you were, and then we had cars, and then interests change, and yeah. sports kind of take over your life, but yeah, I mean, dirt jumping, back, uh, the dirt jumps near... Vantile. Vantile, yeah, yeah, we had this little Vantile place with a bunch of dirt jumps, and I would just over and over again, and then get the shovel, and build them bigger, and build them higher, and you know, just kind of master, master the the BMX bike and then mastering the dirt jumper was a whole nother world because on a BMX bike it was pretty tough on the body to do a 25 foot gap but you, yeah you throw front suspension on that and then a 25 foot gap is like kick so then it took me to a whole nother world of like this is what a suspension bike can do and it was only a hundred millimeter f like fork it was pretty small mm -hmm. and it was a smaller frame but I mean god my love for it just Exaggerated, exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it exploded. So that was like kind of like how I got into biking to start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And would you say most of that you think would be from your dad, or was there any influence to get you on the bike, or was it more just yourself and the fun that you had out with friends and like hitting those jumps? Dude, it was, I think it was just freedom. Yeah. You know, like my dad got me the bike yeah. and he was a good biker you know we would do wheelie competitions um like on saturdays we'd always ride our bikes to go get groceries at my dad's house we were never driving the car anywhere in town it was always on the bikes mm -hmm. so i've always been on the bike in that aspect but the freedom of getting with your friends and just riding your bike around town and then the creativity aspect of not only riding your bike around town, but finding like features around town to like yeah. jump or, you know, just kind of do freestyle riding in a way. Mm -hmm. And uh, that like sparked my interest because I was a skateboarder. So I just got on two wheels and now it was like, you can do so much more on a bike than you can a skateboard. Yeah. I can go hit five different areas of town in an hour, but a skateboard, it sucked. Hit, hit pavement and you're freaking your bottom leg just feels like it's going to vibrate off, <laughs> you know, but I would say it was some inspiration came from my dad, but he, he really got me into biking, um, by just kind of, you know, providing the tools. Yeah. I kind of just got into it and Right. Took off with it, you know. So you, so you mainly talk about just like kind of like your street and freestyle, um, how you got into that. When did you start getting into like single track mountain biking and like finding out like that you can, that you have all these trails? Because we grew up in Gunnison. Harbin Rocks was, is an amazing place, especially to learn how to ride a bike. Like, how did you figure that out? Because you were the first one out of our whole friend group that actually got on a bike and, like, kind of left sports behind a little bit and uh, just started, like, putting in miles. So when did you start going on those more enduro or XC rides? Yeah, um, that was senior year of high school. I just got back from playing hockey. So I was like gone for so long. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of finding a new way of fitness because mm -hmm. that was a big part of my life. You know, is for everyone who's listening, I was a really big kind of a, a gym addict. I would, you know, the body kind of has been my, my way of exploring. You know, I've always explored my body. And so... Fast forward, when I was a senior, um, I wanted to get a full suspension bike to, to ride single track. And then when I got the full suspension bike, oh my God, like the uphills kicked my ass and I, I fucking loved it. And then when I kept riding, then I got onto the flats and my years of riding a bike, it just flowed. It was like why, when I talked about like these features around town, 
Now there's features everywhere along, yeah. along a journey, along like this journey of I get to the top of a trail and then I get to just freaking jib for how many miles downhill? Oh, and I freaking fell in love with it. And so I, and I always pushed myself. Like there was never a point when I was on my bike and I was lollygagging. I mean, Oh yeah. I remember riding with you and I was just like, Jesus Christ. Like Quinn, first of all, is in really good shape. And then he's also a great mountain biker. Cause we all like kind of followed your path. You're like, cause you were, you're stoked. Yeah. that you brought to us and then like we all just got like hardtails just to go out with you and see yeah. what it was all about and then you got us all hooked on it too yeah and it was like a full way of adventuring the outdoors yeah which really i i was kind of isolated living in the best area in the world i i i mean i was a skier yeah but i went to a resort to ski mm-hmm. i thought it was crazy when I was younger to go backcountry ski, it's like, no, that sounds boring. I want to go freaking throw backflips and shred powder. So when I had the opportunity, you know, to get on a bike and learn the trails and know that they're friendly and they're accessible to everyone and you're not going to die from a mountain lion and you're not going to die from like breaking your neck in the middle of nowhere. You're, you're in an accessible area where you can get help. Yeah. So it completely changed. Then my exploration to go further just increased, you know? So um, it just completely increased. So I just like, I wanted friends too. That's why I was like, yo, you guys got to yeah. get mountain bikes. I remember that. Those were some of the funnest times I've had on a bike. It was the learning and exploring. Yeah. Because like you, I never, my mom was a pretty big runner and she went out. She always talked about Hartman's and I've been out there before, but never like explored it. And then once we all got bikes, like we were out there every day, Mm -hmm. every single day we went biking and just found new trails every every time we went out it was a new trail and we went out further and we went longer and then we were going when the sun was setting and just having really some of the best times that i've had on a bike were the learning stages and just exploring our backyard yeah and there's so many moments when you're riding too that like the when we were going off to flagstaff yeah so when michael and i went to college together we did one last ride and we have a photo of him and i and we're looking over the valley of Gunnison, and there was a rainstorm over on like Signal Peak, a rainbow on the other side. Those are the moments why the bike is so cool. Yeah. You know, as we're like in the middle of nowhere, and then we get to shred down to our car to safety. Yeah. We get to shred, yeah. and like, um, and this was before Strava or before a Fitbit or before any tracking. Yeah, I didn't just out there. Dude, I have no idea how far we would ride. Me either. Probably up to like 20 miles. Like, you know, back then, like that's a lot. That's so true. I never thought about that actually when yeah. we first started. Yeah, you didn't have any of the the trackers on you. Yeah, so we... Uh, I think that's, that's what I liked about it most. Yeah, there was didn't no... Didn't know, didn't care. No. Just went. Yeah. Went until it was dark. We, we went till it's dark and cracked a beer when we got home, you know, to the truck. Yeah. It was like the best thing in the whole world. And then... Uh, my full suspension got stolen my freshman year of college yeah. and I was fucking heartbroken because because I was I was kind of exploring Flagstaff a little bit on the on that mountain bike and uh freshman year of college kind of hit didn't really touch the bike and then my dad for my birthday just gave me his single speed it was a Yeti big top um carbon seat stay which they don't even make anymore it was a single speed, horrible factory, like, shock. Don't, I couldn't even tell you what front fork was on it. And uh, that took me to a whole nother world because a single speed's like a BMX bike to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I was doing some big fucking days on this single speed, like huge. Well, you're racing in that too, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I always knew I wanted to race mountain bikes. And I never really had the opportunity to, opportunity to, so I quit my, I quit hockey my freshman year of college. I was playing for NAU. I quit the freshman year. So I was sick of traveling, and so I joined the NAU cycling team, and I didn't know anything about cycling. 
Mm-hmm. I was a I was a bike rider, but I wasn't a cyclist. And so all these guys were, you know, like in spandex and they they're like kitted out. And it was like kind of dope. And I was like, and I, um, call, I forget his last name, Cal. He he rides for CZ now. He was on the team. He was one of the best in the nation. And uh, anyway, I never did any group rides with them or anything like that. I was always intimidating. It was always intimidating to me, you know, to like go yeah. ride with these people because. I didn't, I didn't really know how to mountain bike. Like I did, but I didn't really know. And so, um, I I went to New Mexico for a race. It was the only race I did for NAU cycling. And, uh, I guess I couldn't race the single speed division. (laughs) Yeah. For collegiate. And I, and I had no points or anything like that. So I had to start in like C's like cat, cat four. Like it's it's like divisions like cat one's like the fastest. Oh, okay. well, cat four was an eight mile loop, and I was <clears throat> just went off the gun. And anyone who's listening knows you can't really get the whole shot on a single speed. And so, I just fucking pedaled my little heart out, you know, going like <laughs> four hundred pedal strokes per second or per minute, just like yeah. trying to catch the whole shot. And we finally hit single track, and I had to pass. I passed everyone, dude. I mean. Everyone on your left, on your left, on your left. My heart rate was probably like 195 for eight miles. I was just trying to catch everyone, you know? Yeah. And I finally caught everyone, and then I ended up taking second because I couldn't catch the guy who was winning. He, he was probably pretty fast. And so, uh, yeah, I fucking took second place on a single speed in a geared division. I said, hmm, I might be pretty good at this. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I didn't touch a bike for a while, and then. Um, Started exploring the single speed, went to Australia to study abroad, and I got back and I just couldn't wait to ride my single speed again. And I was like, what would, what would happen if I got a full suspension XC bike um, and like took this serious? Because like in Australia, I just couldn't wait to get back to race my mm-hmm. bike. Like race. And so, uh, let me just check this here. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, no, I got back and sold my single speed for a thousand bucks. Went to Dave Moe's rock and roll sports. Shout out Dave Moe. You're the best buddy bear. And, uh, he hooked me up with a Trek fuel seven, like kind of a heavy bike. And, uh, that's when this app popped up Strava. And I was like, what the fuck is Strava? I had no idea about Strava. And this was 2020. That's when I first got on this mountain bike. Mm-hmm. It was 2020. And, uh, I'm loading these, I'm uploading my, my rides and I'm getting like top 10. And I was like, what does that mean? Like top 10 of my, my own like efforts, top 10 overall, anyone who's ridden that trail. Yeah. And then I was fucking hooked. I was like, I'm getting top 10 and I just started and then let me go for the KOM. And I wasn't going for the downhill KOMs. I was going for the uphill ones on a 27 pound bike and I was getting them and I was like, hmm. Sweet. This is what this is what it's like to track your cycling. And, yeah. And I was getting these top tens and finding finding out like, oh, these guys are putting in 180 miles a week. It's like, okay, how can I do that? So I just ride my bike more, and I I took my focus from the gym and switched it over to my bike, and then I saw progression. But that's kind of lead up before racing. Yeah, because so. I thought, so you did a few races with your single, oh, right? Because I remember you yeah. had the growler with your single speed. Yeah. And I remember, because I was out there, that was when I was training for the Grand Traverse, and you did that. And so I was going on a run while you were racing. And I remember, like, all of these old-timers, all the gray hairs were talking about, it's like, that fucking kid's on single speed. Mm-hmm. You know who Quinn Travis is? He's on fucking single speed, man. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, he was talking, like, every, like, other person I talked to is just like, did you see that single speed go by? Like, he, he's doing really good. Like, yeah. Oh, they're yeah. freaking out over it, man. So, um, I go back to Gunnison, Colorado. It's Saturday. I have all my biking gear. And my stepdad says, hey, the Growlers in two days. And I was like, what is that? Well, it's a 32-mile mountain bike race in Gunnison. I was like, sweet. Sign me up. So 
I signed up for, and I had no idea what to sign up for. Mm-hmm. I didn't sign up. I don't. I think I signed up for single speed, but I had no idea what it was. I had no idea. I just knew I could do thirty-two miles. Yeah. But this was when I was doing only CrossFit, and so I was competing at a pretty high level in CrossFit. And dude, I was one hundred and ninety pounds, and I could power clean two twenty-five. Yeah. I mean, I was not thick. ready to do a biking. Yeah, I was huge. Thick dude. boy. I was a thick boy. Because how much you weigh now? 170. Yeah. So there, there's perspective for everybody. Yeah. Like he's not a thin, he's not that thin right now. He's, but before 190 for Quinn, that's a thick boy. I was, I was pretty big and yet yeah, signed up. And I remember, um, there's a Peloton that goes out to, you know, I start from town and I'm on the single speed and I was following Travis Schieffer and he, he was a family friend and he's a badass rider. Yeah. And I told him, what's up Travis? I'm, I'm Scott's son. Uh, yeah, my whole goal is to just follow you. And he looks behind and he says, good luck. <laughs> and I was like, that. <laughs> yeah. No, my goal is to beat you. But I, I was not fit. You know, I, yeah. was, I was just, I was fit, but I wasn't, I didn't have any cardio or. No, not or like that. Not, not biking endurance. No, and I think I was like top 10 up kill hill. Yeah. On a single speed. Because I had power, you know? So I, I got to so you got one speed. You better get up that motherfucker. Dude, and I stopped so many times. I had old old men go by me saying, you got this? Come on, dude. I'm yeah. like, fuck. And I was only at mile like 10. That was like before you hit top of the world. Mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck. I don't know if I can do this. Mile like 13, 14. I was cramping up so bad. I would put my foot down and my quadricep was doing the wave. Like, and I was in the worst pain I have ever been in, but I fucking finished it. I mean, I, it took yeah. every ounce and I was in a big gear too. Like Hartman rocks. I think I was in like a 32, 18, which is a pretty big gearing for Hartman rocks. You should right. be in like a 32, 20 or 32, 22 or something like that. But yeah. I was in a big gear and. Oh, I'll never forget how much pain it was for me. That was my last race on the single speed. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I knew, like, I liked it. You know, like, when I got done it, I, I was in the worst pain of my life. I think I took eighth in single speed category mm-hmm. for my first ever race in a single speed. Pretty much off the couch, too. Off the, oh, off the fucking couch. Oh, yeah. I, I think I maybe put in 12 rides all summer before that. Before that, jeez. Yeah. So that's crazy. That was that was my first mountain bike race, and then um, I got the fuel and moved to Flagstaff, and I found out about MBAA series, and this was last year. Yeah. So oh my god. Yeah. So you're really new to this whole racing deal. Yeah. This is my second year. Yeah. Second year ever racing, like competitive racing, you know. Right. Where this is what I want to do. For my and you put the time in because yeah. usually it's more recreational mm-hmm. and then like you would put in good days and then you would hit a race and you'd, like yeah. whatever you'd finish yeah 2020 I was putting in about 120 miles only on the mountain bike yeah I had no I had no idea what a road bike was and then that's when I decided the night before I was gonna do a hundred mile road bike yeah on my not knowing anything I just decided I woke up and I was like yeah I'm going to do 100 miles. Yeah, we were living together at the time. And I, I think I got back home from, well, what I don't know what we were doing. Anyway, Quinn walk, or I walk in and Quinn's like, hey, man, um, so I'm going to do 100 miles tomorrow. And I was just like, what? What are you talking about? It's just like, yeah, you know, I kind of just bapped it out and uh, I'm just going to do it, you know, so I'm going to go to bed. It was like <laughs> 6 o'clock. He was like, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to do 100 miles. I was like, okay, man. Sure, whatever. Sure shit. Yeah, you busted out. I mean, pretty quick, too. Yeah, dude. Under six. Yeah. I did sub sub six on the road bike in Crested Butte. I went all the way to Crested Butte to the top of the mountain, like to the resort. Yep. And I went back towards Almont. And then I got into town at mile 86 <laughs> like 14 miles of blocks to finish right in every street in yeah. Gunnison yeah and and I got done and I was like hmm I know I could have gone further 
And that's when I knew I was like, okay, I'm, I'm fit now. Like yeah. this is fitness. Like yeah. this is, this is endurance, endurance fitness, you know? And, uh, then I got my fucking ass kicked in NBAA. Fucking ass kicked. Did expert 20 through, or 19 through 29. And, uh, that's when I first met Kenzie too. And, uh, at an MDOA? No, okay. no, but Ken, Kenzie and I had, like, started dating. And, uh, dude, my first race, I showed up in a freaking Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Like, I didn't know. Like, did, a Hawaiian shirt. Everybody's and, all in kids. Oh, everyone looked super kitted out. Yeah. Like, fast. And, dude, I, I, for, I didn't, I didn't start right for the first three. I went with the pros for my first ever race, accidentally. Went off with the pros. The second time I missed the start and I had to catch everyone. Then I got my wisdom teeth out and was on meds, but still wanted a fucking race. Almost blacked out. <laughs> and then I sold my fuel because someone was like, dude, why are you racing on that? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, that's a heavy like en enduro bike. And I'm like, oh, what should I get? Like, Go for like a fucking light hardtail. I was like, cool. So I got a Cole, Pat Cole Patton, sold me his uh, giant XTC, uh, which was like 20 pounds. And then, uh, and then I was like, and I took second place in Prescott. And I was like, oh, okay, now game on. And then, uh, yeah, taste blood in the water. Taste blood. And so then I took second in Prescott and I didn't make Flagstaff's race, but Shortly after that, I did um, Sedona Big Freaking Loop with 90 millimeter fork, um, which is a 55 mile loop around Sedona that hits like um, Highline. It hits, I mean, everything rocky you can imagine. I did it on a 90 millimeter fork and I did it pretty fast. And, and then I'm starting to get, get in a groove of what is needed to go fast. Like, to race, you know, mm -hmm. like I had two water bottles. I always had fuel and I started like to learn how to, how to race. Then I, then I did the growler and I didn't just want to do the 32 mile the first day. I wanted to do the big bad 40 the next day. Yeah. I remember that. So the first day I as your a race as my a race was the second day. <laughs> so I took fourth overall on the original growler the yeah. first day, but I was in the lead for the whole race. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, did really good. And that's on the hardtail, 90 millimeter. I mean, it was a XC bike and it's not the right bike to do the growler with. No. And then, um, yeah, and then I got, I got kind of stomped by uh, two freaking hardcore locals from Crested Butte. Um, who passed me on Rocky Ridge the last like three miles. So I, I ended up taking fourth place and I was super pumped. Like, dude, I was stoked. I was like, what the fuck? I just took fourth overall on the OG from like doing it before mm -hmm. getting my ass kicked. Now I'm like riding this whole course good and fast and like figuring it out, you yeah. know? Um, and so, uh, the next day came around and I said I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm not doing that. You trashed. You yeah, I just absolutely tra trashed, trashed my body. I'm not doing the next day. Um, go out and I, I win my age group the second yeah. day. I was like, sweet. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking do this thing. Go back to Flagstaff. I don't think I raced much in Flag. I'm pretty sure I did. My memory is kind of blanking on if I did any more races. Um, so would you say the Growler or the NAA was the kickstart to you actually being like, okay, I wanna, I wanna do this, I wanna compete, and I wanna start making, I wanna, I wanna become a pro. Yeah, that was shortly after the Growler. I knew I could compete in a pro level. Yeah, you know, because the kid, especially who was, a back to back. Yeah, the kid who was in second place, he was like, oh, dude, like who do you ride for? I was like, no one. He's like, what do you mean no one? I was like, I don't know, dude, I, I don't have no idea. He's like, do you ride pro? I'm like, no. He's like, whoa, well, okay. And so, and he was a pro rider. And I was like, oh, if I'm kind of putting it to this kid, I think I can compete at that level. 
So I signed up for the Firecocker 50 in Breckenridge as an expert. And then the day before, I changed my mind. I said, fuck that. I'm not going to be the king of the shits. I wanna, or I'm not going to be the shit of the kings. No. The king of the kings. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> shit. It sounded good the first time you yeah. said it. I'm not going to be the king of the shits. Yeah. I want to be the shit of the kings. You know? Like, Pacey McGelvin, like, all yeah. these guys I look up to are riding this race. Dave Weens, Ryan yeah, yeah. Smith. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to do pro. I don't care if I fucking take last. I'm doing pro. And Firecracker 50 is a hard fucking race. I mean, it was brutal. First lap, I came in pretty good. Second lap, I think I added 30 minutes to my time. Wow. Took 26th out of like 40-something. So mid-pack. Mid-pack pro. And I was like, okay, fuck it. This is it. No more. I'm never going to sign up for expert. Yeah. Once I signed up for pro, I'm not a pro. I I had no team. I wasn't racing for anyone. I'm just fucking going to go out there and just ride. Best of the best. Yeah. I'm going to ride. That's how you're going to get better. And at this point, it wasn't a hobby anymore. Like this now is a passion. Like I'm going to compete at that high level and I'm still in that spot now. You know, I still want to compete at the highest level. Um, But, and then I was pretty successful after that. I like won the Stagecoach 100, which is a local race in Flagstaff. Um, I took fourth in a 84 mile gravel race in Flag, which was, um, Bear Howard, which is a badass gravel race um, by Dustin Phillips, and I'm at like I'm racing pretty well in a, a local bike shop, Flag Bike Rev. Um, like wanted to talk to me and like hey, they're like yeah, you know, we're pretty low key, but you know we want to like sponsor sponsor you, just help you out, and it's like just taking a f- taking some money off tires because you know when you're riding at that level, it gets really expensive, yeah, and oh, yeah. so. They just want to support people who push it. And I, like, I'm forever grateful because they were the ones that motivated me. Like, okay, now I'm not just writing for Quinn. Now I'm like representing, you know, uh, a a team really. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then shortly after that, um, thanks to a friend got me in touch with flow formulas. And then I started writing for them. And that was, at the beginning or the end of last year and then the beginning of this season. Um, yeah. And so that was amazing um, getting supplements, you know, for the first time and uh, like feeling like a pro, like they give you kids and everything. Yeah, right? like feeling like a pro. Like yeah. now I'm on a team, a, a well-known team and uh, and yeah, riding, riding at a high level. But it's it was hard because they weren't local. So I never really got a ride with people, you know? Yeah. And it was just, it started to become hard. And, um, I had an opportunity here in Cottonwood with, um, Verity Valley bicycle company and Greg, who was like, yo, dude, let's start a pro team. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. Cause it was like kind of the end of the season too. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to the manager of flow formulas um, the team manager and I was like, Hey dude, like I'm forever grateful for the opportunity, you know, but, uh, these last few races, I kind of want to represent the team that we're creating. And so I got the opportunity to create kits and like recruit some of the riders that I know are phenomenal and put in really hard work. But yeah. So now, now I'm racing for Confluence Nine. Oh, <laughs> Confluence nine two eight, um, at a cottonwood, but I went on a rant, and I'm missing a lot of detail too. Sorry, right. you just talk it out, man. Yeah, but we don't, we don't gotta worry about that. What was the um? So I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. So you said you did a hundred mile race. What do you think is the hardest race that you've done? Like. Stagecoach 100. Okay. What what are the what are some details that you remember from that? Um, on why I made it hard. Like, what did you have to push through? 
Well, so Dana Ernst, who was my the first episode, he's a race director, and uh, it it is just brutal. You're doing a hundred miles of the Arizona Trail, the opposite direction of kind of where you would start. You'd kind of start at the tip of Arizona and work your way down to the border. But we're starting in Flagstaff. And the first climb kind of goes up 2,000 feet. Mm-hmm. So like right from the start, you're climbing. Kick-ass climb. Yeah. And at that, that time, I was at a pretty good fitness level. So I came down to the first aid station, and they weren't even set up yet. They weren't expecting riders for another 30, 40 minutes. And so people are like kind of unpacking stuff. And I was like, I, dude, I don't, I don't care. Just like, I need a Coca-Cola and some food, you know? And what miles at a 30, that's at like 30, 32. Okay. Then the next aid station was at mile 50. Gotcha. But you're going through the most rugged terrain. You're doing some single track, but you're also doing a lot of like, there's one long section of dirt road and I had a headwind and I'm looking up and there's a thunder cloud right where I'm going. So I'm at like mile 46 now, no 40, just on this dirt road pinning it. And I mean, I'm pinning it. I had no idea what my engine was. Yeah. Well, how was your body feeling at that point? Great. Good. 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 Oh yeah. Mindset was good, my body was feeling good, and I was pushing fast. And my whole goal going into it was maintain 14 miles an hour average, Mm -hmm. you know? And that was pretty fast. But that was like my goal. I was gonna try to maintain 14 miles an hour. Shortly understood that that was fucking kind of impossible. (laughs) At at the, the, what Earth had to offer. I mean, but I saw antelope, I mean, I saw just rugged North Arizona desert, like rugged. You're seeing like junipers that like are like dead, not dead, but it's very isolated out there. And I I was completely alone and I didn't bring much. I had two water bottles and some food in my pocket. Like I was out there to freaking go fast. And so I'm pinning it and you drop down to aid station two it was like an out and back. So you have to go off the trail to the aid station, go get some food, and then go back up the trail. And Whoa. so I went down it and then I came back up it. And no one, I didn't see anyone. So I'm like, oh, I'm pretty far ahead. If I went down the trail, stopped at the aid station, and then went up the trail, and I didn't see a soul, and I was like, okay, I'm in a good lead at first. And um, kept going, and then it started getting cold like really cold because I didn't bring anything. I'm like in a jersey and a kit and uh, like I'm starting to get cold but I'm still feeling good. And then the third aid station, you drop down on this dirt road like 800 feet. You just you just pin this dirt road, go all the way down, hit the aid station and I just remember my neck. My body was great. My neck and lower back were just fucking killing me. Like almost, I was just like, I don't know if I can keep riding my bike. I'm like, fuck. Like I was just holding my neck up for, you know, Yeah. I think we're at like four or five hours at this point. And I'm like, oh my God, just my body is aching. Cause I'm on a hardtail 90 millimeter fork. I'm like not on a good bike. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but that aid station that you dropped down 800 feet, I thought the other one was bad. You have to climb that road up and it's about a 20, like 15 to 20% grade. And you're, you're a mile like 64 and you're fucking done. Maybe like, maybe close to 80, like at mile 80, you're like toast. I was toast. Did you have to go to that? You have to go to the aid stations like to make sure you're safe and to make sure you checked in. Oh, you have to. Mm -hmm. Every rider has to check in. Oh yeah, you can't. You can't. So you can't blow by them. Why do they do that? Why don't they put them down there like that? Because Dana's fucking hardcore, man. God bless. Not gonna make it easy. That's heinous. That's dude, and that's not even the worst part. That's dirty. I climb back out of this aid station and I'm like, ooh. 
super stoked. I'm like, I'm home. Cause then it's, then the finish line's your aid station, right? So I'm yeah. who I'm home. But we turn onto the single track that kind of takes you towards Tucson. That's what it's called. It's like the town near um, the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. And it's rugged single track. You ride kind of like this fast flowy stuff for 70 miles. And the last 30 miles are like pretty heinous. Like they're chunky, they're punchy. You gotta go through a bunch of gates, you know, so you're kind of getting on and off your bike. And the last 10 miles, dude, no, 15 miles in, like close to the finish line, it starts hailing on me. Dude, pinning me, like big hail, where I'm like trying to crunch up into a little ball, trying not to get hit, yeah. nail my helmets. My skin's cold. I'm like, fuck. I'm out here too. I'm like, oh, this is not good. I hope this doesn't continue. And it just kept continuing. And it just started fucking dumping. Mm. So now it's dumping. And the last 10 miles of this race is in this double track, clay. Oh, yeah. So you couldn't, I, I couldn't ride my bike anymore. So I'd, I'd ride it and it would clunk up to where my wheels wouldn't spin. Now I'm, having, now I'm carrying this 90 pound bike over my shoulder at mile 90. Yeah. Like kind of trotting, like trying to like not get caught. Cause I don't know, you never know when second yeah, place yeah, is no gonna get you. Really you always know you're being chased. And I was like, I'm not getting, getting caught. And uh. Running dude, through the clay. Oh fuck, my shoes were fucking clay. I mean. Did I, you fall at all like when you had your bike oh, on yeah. your shoulder? Oh no. When I tried to ride through the clay, yeah, your tire slipped and you're on ice. Yeah, just yeah. So, um, yeah, man, just fucking clay for the last ten miles. And so, what a, what was gonna be in my head a really fast race turned out to be like eight hours and twenty eight minutes or something like that. So yeah. it's the longest I've ever been on my bike. Um, at, at that point, and dude, I just remember coming in to the finish line. Didn't even care that I won. I was just like, oh my God, I'm so <laughs> glad I'm done with that. Like, yeah. went through hell and back. And I did, we started at 5 a.m. And now it's like 2, 3. What's even more fucked up is people were out there still. Because it was getting worse. Yeah. So thank God I finished because it was heinous. So that was the hardest day on the bike. For sure. How um how far ahead were you from second place? Do you know? Mm, no. He was pretty fucking close. I think he got me like fifteen minutes behind me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he came. In a hundred mile race. Yeah, that is close. Yeah, and so I don't know if it was. I might have been getting slower because I mean, dude, I was getting my body hurt so bad. I wonder what he did through the clay. That's a good point. Yeah. Because, like, if he kept trying to ride through it or yeah. just got off his bike like how you did. And, and I had to ride I had to ride off off the, the dirt yeah. or the clay. Yeah. I was riding in, like, sagebrush. It was the only place that was rideable. It was, mm -hmm. like, on the grass. And I was going four miles an hour, you know? But that was, like, so hard. Big day out. And Kenzie was running the stagecoach. So she's doing the ultra. She ended up taking third place. And yeah, and then so we're both fucking conked. <laughs> yeah. I'm driving home and we're just like, oh my you don't God. even want to talk about anything. No. You just want to get home and get just in the shower. Home, go to bed. Go get warm. Yeah. Drink some hot tea. Yeah, it was so that was like the hardest day on the bike. Yeah. And, and longest, right? And longest. Is that the longest still? Or have you done longer now? Um I haven't done a little longer. But I haven't really gone over... But not, like, racing-wise. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't really gone over nine, ten hours. That's a hell of a lot of time on a bike. Yeah. How bad were your chafing? Oh, How yeah. bad do you chafe? It was chronic. <laughs> chronic chafing. It was chronic, dude. Were you bleeding? Mm, no, you could <laughs> say I had chronic chafe dandruff for... Well, up until today. <laughs> yeah. Until the current state. <laughs> yeah. I actually put chafe butter on consistently throughout my day. Do you put it on every morning? Oh, yeah, dude. Do you really? I got the European cool. <laughs> like, and it kind of makes your 
your uh, taint tingle. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm battling chronic chafe. It's been hard. Oh God. Well, I was gonna say I was gonna ask that if do all bikers have that that spend a lot of time on their bike? Dude, I have no idea. Yeah, you could just. I ask people, man. Not something they talk no, about. No, I, they're I, not I, open about it. Well, it's, maybe if they listen to this, maybe they will be. Yeah, comment below if you got chronic chafe, because I don't have a solution for you. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a solution, let me know. Please tell Quinn. Yeah, because he needs it. His yeah, I took his off body my, is disintegrating at his asshole. I, I took off my uh, my boxers the other day, and it looked like it snowed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God, this world. Yeah. So that's funny, but yeah, dude, that's a yeah, that's a crazy day. How many demons do you think you fought off that day? Four. At every aid station. <laughs> <laughs> Is it harder to go? Do you have to get off your bike too and like stop, no. or do they just check your number and then you can yeah, get out dude. if you don't need to be in there? But at a hundred miles, you're getting off and like yeah, you're, you're getting some oranges and shit. Like oh yeah, yeah. you can only bring so much food. But you're getting off your bike. Yeah. Yeah. Does that hurt even more when you're done with that? Because then you cool off. Um, and then to yeah. get back on oh, the bike, yeah. you're just like starting up again. You're like, oh, fuck. Like yeah. all these other things hurt right now. And then I'm getting back on my bike. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. But I would imagine so. Yeah. That's cool, man. That Yeah. That's a tough day. And uh, there's so many people that probably can't even imagine how that really is and how hard that is going that fast yeah because you're racing you know so the effort's pretty high yeah especially with no prior race experience that was my first hundred mile race Mm. so i really didn't know what to do yeah you're just seeing what was in the tank i just went hard yeah until i couldn't that's all you got to do people if you're gonna race Get your fitness up and just go balls to the wall. I think it's 14 miles an hour. Yeah, I think it's going <laughs> going hard a lot, which is not good. You know, yeah. like I train that way. So I kind of know where my motor's at. Right, right. But having a structured training plan, I think, would be better than just like, <laughs> go for the camera. <laughs> <laughs> which, which isn't healthy but that's just how I am that's why like, it's well, a competitive side for you you know yeah. like you want to be number one so getting a KOM on Strava yeah. I mean it keeps you at a high level still because yeah. somebody else is like they're having their best day out there and you're just like okay I'm on a 26 mile ride I'm going to get a KOM on this midway through yeah that keeps your training too competitive first of all so you have something to let you're training for like you're training for a race maybe but also like I'm gonna beat this motherfucker yeah going up this hill yeah and, and that's that how would make you faster when I when I just ride that I mean that's how that's my mentality it's like why go ride casually when I've never ridden casually I've always gone to ride to have a blast and for me punching shit is a blast you know I like taking corners a little too fast going and that's fast how it's a blast you just know yeah. And that's just how you know, like, how the bike operates and, like, what's your, what's your comfort zone? How can you, how can you push it a little bit, but how can you kind of settle in? Yeah. And you know when a, like, a segment's coming up. And if you're feeling good, like, go for it. Because for me, it's like, that's how I know I'm getting faster is beating, you know, like, seeing myself rise on the leaderboard. Like, today... I haven't ridden my bike like I normally have, you know, with the holidays and kind of taking an off season a little bit and going out there and taking top three and getting a PR on some of these big segments is like, oh, cool. Okay. I'm still, I, I still got it. You're where you, you know? need to be. I'm right where I need to be. Yeah. yeah. But. So, yeah, you just said you're taking a break right now. How long is your break? When will you start getting back into training? This reg- week. Regiment? This next week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as best as I can, you know, like I'll slowly get into it. Um, But for right now, yeah, I don't really have anything on a schedule that's like, that's making me thrive to be on the bike and to 
get my fitness up. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying just a casual, like, I, I'm going to try to ride every day, but I'm not going to go for, you know, an 80, 90 mile ride here this week. I do want to get a big day in just cause I'm, I kind of need it, you know, Yeah. just good for my body, my soul, just kind of like see where I'm at, mm-hmm. you know, just with everything. And, but no, I'm not really, I'm not really training yet, but I'm always training. Yeah. I'm always, you know, yeah. You if I'm not, like if I'm not on the bike, I'm throwing the kettlebell around. Right. Yeah. So yes. Or jogging. Yeah. Keep the fitness. Keeping up with Kenzie trying to jog. That that shit. I feel fit just doing that, man. (laughs) Doing a four mile trail run is like a 200 mile bike ride. It's like, I'm sore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Total different muscles. Yeah. So on that note, like when you're, when you're starting, cause you're a new dad. Have you had a training schedule yet when you've, since you've had Kaya? No. So this is going to be new for you. Totally. I was just curious. So where I'm going to go with that question is how much do you think that will change? Like your training regimen uh, or do you think it will? Oh yeah. No, it, it's all about communication with Kenzie and I's schedule. You know, I can't, I can't get on the bike for three hours, yeah. you know? Um, so it's really just finding the right moment to get out and train and it's finding the right time of day. Um, and yeah, it's to make sure that both of us are okay with it, you know? Right. So, um, when we first had Kaya, I had a Leadville qualifier race. So I kind of still kind of was selfish and training a lot, you know, yeah. just cause I, I knew I had that big race coming up and it was my only opportunity to qualify for Leadville. And so, but yeah, no, I think some things are going to change of just kind of being more structured based with my training, just to have a schedule for Kenzie and I, so she can look, or we can communicate and be like, okay, cool. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, this is what I'm doing. This is kind of what I want to get done with training. This is how long it'll take. Are you like, what will work for you? Yeah. Like what times will yeah. work um, that day? Okay. I'll cut that day for my rest day and I'll move it to Saturday. You know, just kind of like, yeah. just kind of figuring out our schedules. Cause with a baby, it's like, there always needs to be one hand on deck, you right. know? So, and mostly two hands on deck. Like really it's a two person job. And so to go leave for an hour and a half or even two hours, it's gotta be, it's gotta be okay. You know, it's, it can't yeah. be a selfish act because biking is selfish, you know, and any kind of sport can be selfish when you're taking it to a high level. Yeah. Oh yeah. So a lot of time. Yeah. It's just trying to figure out like what works for both of us. And cause she's going to start getting back into, I mean, when she starts getting back into training, we're going to have to just figure it out more, you know, when Kaya gets into daycare, it'll be easier. We'll have a little more time during the day to kind of do stuff. But for right now, I'm not too worried about the bike. Um, my A race is Leadville, so I'm definitely gonna knuckle down for two months before that. But I'm just gonna have fun. Yeah, like, yeah, and just try to really be be in the moment with being a dad and my family, and you know, trying to really just take my addictive training side out like because it is an addictive thing i like oh yeah you know it's like a drug it's like i need that fucking pain i need that pain <laughs> i need it but i'm cool i don't get it <laughs> <laughs> you should see his face right now <laughs> you look like a crackhead that's all good <laughs> but yeah i mean you have to have that side if you're gonna go to that level yeah. You have to have it. Otherwise, you know, I, I mean, I don't know anybody that's a freaking pro athlete that just does it for fun. Yeah. You know, like well, they yeah. have to do it. Like, yeah, it's that's in their system. Like they have to. Yeah. If I had five more years of experience and this was a job, it would be different. But since it's not a paid thing yet and yeah. I'm and it's still new like really what fucking, second second year now this is my season. i take like, this year is my first 
year knowing what I'm doing racing. Like, okay. Yeah. This is my first yeah. pro, like quotes pro, pro year. Right. But so this is really year two, but year one of knowing what I'm doing. So I can only get better and I can only learn more and I can only have more fun because I love the sport. But that's what you need. Yeah. Keep that love going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for, uh, getting on your podcast and letting me interview you. Yeah. It was kind of fun being on this side of it. Yeah. It was a good time. I think a lot of people will enjoy hearing your story and now, um, I guess I'll give it back to you. I think I'm done here. Mike, you killed it. Thanks, man. I don't really know what to say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this was new and we kind of wanted to just give you the other side, kind of like why I'm starting this podcast. It's because I'm so new and I really want to learn so much about not only cycling, but just the adventure world. Um, especially with just kind of the far stuff. Cause it's pretty cool to see what people can do with their bodies. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Like I said, stay stoked because life's short. You got to stoke the mind, stoke the body, stoke the people. (laughs) (laughs) We're out. (laughs) That was good.